Welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso, and this is episode 18, October 25th, 2010. And I'm here with FPP pal, Joe Kolbeck. Hi, Joe. Hey, Mike. Folks out there may be asking, Mike, what's going on? What's happening? Why is there a podcast on October 25th? It's my Seinfeld voice. Oh, okay. I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld lately. Mike, where's Dwayne? Where's John? We want to know, we want to know what's going on. Well, I can tell you what's going on. There's so much going on that temporarily, temporarily, probably through November 2010, we're going to have weekly episodes because there's just too much going on. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, Joe Kolbeck is here with me. Joe, since he was last on the podcast, which is quite a while ago, you've really, really taken a a shine to film photography, haven't you? Oh, yeah. What have you been shooting with, Joe? Uh, I've been shooting with a Canon AE-1, a Polaroid Super Shooter, a Big Shot, Polaroid Big Shot. Big Shot! Big Shot! A Polaroid Pro Pack. That's all off the top of my head right now. Oh, very, very nice. How's it been? Fun? Oh, it's been great, yeah. What do you think of that uh, Polaroid Pack film and cameras? Oh, they're wonderful. A lot to talk about today. I want to talk about our contests, which we've extended. There's still time to get your emails in to enter into our great contests. Last week, I was at the Impossible Project USA. We're going to roll the audio tape to Impossible Project USA. That's the Impossible Project Gallery Space store in New York City, where there was a book signing party for the release of Pat Sansone's book, 100 Polaroids. And we're giving away a copy of Pat's book, 100 Polaroids, with a Polaroid 600 camera. And, of course, it's always preloaded with a pack of Impossible film. But on October 14th, there was the book signing party at Impossible USA. I was there. Let's roll the audio tape. First up is Dave Bias from Impossible USA. Let's see what Dave had to say. I'm here with Dave Bias at Impossible NYC for the uh, book signing, the Pat Sansone 100 Polaroids book signing. Hi, Dave. Hello. Can you tell me a little bit about this event tonight and how it started, how you set it up, how it, how it came to be? Well, uh, uh, several months ago, we got an email from uh, one of Wilco's uh, roadies who was a fan of what we were doing. And he was the first one to tell me that, that Patrick was uh, also a, 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 a proper Polaroid photographer. And then uh, a few weeks ago, you know, he, he was already working on a, an event in L.A., he wanted to do something also in New York. He felt like our space was sort of the perfect fit, which we humbly think is, is true. And uh, it just went from there. I mean, he, he uh, emailed me and he said, I've got a book coming out and, and uh, what would you think about doing a, a book signing event in your space? And we've actually, since we opened this space, uh, we have so much square footage that we've been looking for people who just do interesting work people that we like to be able to showcase their work and be able to invite people to the space and and you know really it's about the work tonight but we also get the opportunity to tell people a little bit about the impossible project uh, in the balance so it kind of came together on its own so somewhat it, it did it was you know uh, Pat was real proactive about getting in touch with us and we of course I mean immediately we're like okay we got to do something uh, whatever it happens to be and it wasn't even until recently that we thought we would actually show the originals. It started out, it was just going to be a book signing, and he would do it kind of casually, and and we weren't even really going to promote it a whole lot. And then 
as time went on, we really felt we were proud that he actually asked us to, to, to be here. And we were like, well, we got to make sure that people come see this stuff. Uh, and his work is amazing. I mean, I, I am a big fan of Walker Evans and the Polaroid work that he did in the latter part of his career. And I really think Pat is, you know, I, I don't want to just compare him to Walker Evans' work, but there's definitely a, an affinity there between the, a lot of the stuff that Pat shoots and, and what Walker Evans was shooting at the time. And so for me, it was just, it's beautiful work. Uh, it's on Polaroid and, and uh, of course, I'm a big Wil Wilco fan as well, so it was it was a, a great all overall match. And like I said, yeah, it started out we were going to do something kind of casual, and then it, it kind of developed into this proper uh, party. That was Dave Bias of Possible USA, and it was quite an event. A great group of people showed up for the book signing. There were some folks there internationally. There was uh, a group there from France. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and uh, they were all huddled in the corner, and they were all huddled because they had their bags. And in their bag, they had all these Polaroid cameras. Oh. They had Polaroid pack cameras. They had a Polaroid SX-70 camera, a number of cameras. So I, I just had to ask them. I'm like... What are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, you know, we're here from France. They, they came out specifically for that show? Well, <laughs> I actually have a little audio tape from, from them. I don't think their English was very good. Okay. Because I said... Are you out here just to, just to go to Impossible, to the, to the book signing? And they're like, yes. But I don't, I don't know if they caught everything I was saying. Okay. Here, here's a few words from uh, the great uh, French group uh, who was at uh, the book signing. Uh, hello, what is your name? Uh, Miguel, Miguel Delgado. Uh, Miguel, are you, uh, where are you from? France. Don't, don't tell me, you're, are you here specifically to go to the Impossible Project? Uh, yes, partially, yeah. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> Va vacation too, or? Yeah, vacation. Yeah. Uh, you all have uh, Polaroid cameras. Yep. Uh, you have the One Step 1000. What is your name? Sophie. Sophie, you're, I see you're guarding your 195 land camera. Yeah. I'm a bit smarter than my friends. And over here, what is your name? Aurora. Okay, and what do you have? Oh, the, the, the 420. Yes, the 420. <laughs> you have film for everything. You're re ready to shoot. Yep. Yeah, nearly, yes. Did you bring the film from France? No, no, no. Not all. Uh, we booked some here, and uh, we have some very old uh, film that we bought we, we uh, right. in Japan, in France, in where we found it. Or mostly here. Okay. Mostly here because you have the impossible project right. shop, and then you have VNH where you can find some Fujis or. Yes. Yes. When did you first hear about Impossible? Uh, we heard it a long time ago because they start to talk about it on a website called Polanoid, and it's for uh, crazy people like us. We upload there uh, the pictures we, we are making, and there we scan them. Then we upload them on this website, and it's a big community. And people from all over the world, and they have started to to think about this project. And, and the doc said that uh, he would travel and try to find some film at first, and then he said that he could go to Mexico and produce some film, and then uh, goes on and on, and he bought some uh, machines, and then asked people to find ideas about products and so on to continue and create it again. So we heard it. I don't know from the beginning. I mean. We yes. knew it will end and we knew it something will happen again. Are, are you guys excited to be here? Quite excited, yeah. And are, are you going to shoot some uh, Polaroids of Pat Sansone and his book? Yep. <laughs> we, we, we take a lot, some Polaroids of the um, 
exposition here. Great, great. Well, I hope you guys... Maybe one day we'll be on the wall. <laughs> ah, very nice. I'm, I'm sure you, three shooters here, I'm sure you'll, one of you will wind up on the wall. We'll see. Maybe. Or maybe a common exhibition for everybody else. Pretty cool. A nice group. Very nice. A nice group. That's nice. That's nice. Pat Sansone, one half of the rock group. I sound, I sound like my dad now. One half of the rock group. The Autumn Defense and a member of Wilco. The Autumn Defense is John Sturrott and Pat Sansone. Both are in the band Wilco. Also at the event was uh, Nels Klein. He was at the Impossible Party as well. Nels Klein, of course, is the guitarist, lead guitarist for... Wilco. I was able to get a few minutes from Pat. Actually, Pat was very generous with his time. Let's roll the audio tape. I'm here with Pat Sansone, 100 Polaroids. Hi, Pat. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. Can you tell me the genesis of shooting Polaroids? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, it's hard to remember specifically, but I know that I had a Polaroid camera back in the mid-90s. Um, I don't know exactly what model it was. It was like I think it was like a, I think it was a 250. Okay. That's that's, that's what I'm gonna guess. Like the the, the older pack cameras yeah. with a peel film. Yeah, the peel film. I, I bought it at a thrift store in, in Mississippi and and uh, shot with it um, here and there. It, it it didn't really become an obsession, but it was you know I, it's something I dabbled with a little bit. But at that time, Polaroid was so common and yeah. still you know could you could walk into a the local drugstore and buy that film and um, didn't really become a mission or anything but I would dabble in it and I sort of in the in the mid 90s and the late 90s when when the toy when toy cameras started to sort of pop up and it kind of became a thing that people were digging out and, and doing I, I dabbled with a lot of that stuff I, I, I got a Lomo and shot with a Lomo some and a Holga and a Diana and so I've always loved toy cameras, and right. it's kind of it's kind of similar with music, musical instruments too. It, it kind of fits into my love of odd musical instruments, you know, toy keyboards and, right. and mellotrons and and uh, optagons and things like that. Really, I didn't really start shooting extensively until I bought a an SX70, a modified SX70 on eBay. And I can't even remember exactly why I did it, but it was just one of those eBay, I got on an eBay tangent and I came across it and I bought it. And from the first pack of film that I shot with this camera, I just became instantly ex excited and, and, and it became an obsession. And from for the next few years, I've just shot thousands of thousands of images. At this time were you able to just walk in a local drugstore and actually buy the film right off the rack? Yeah, this was probably 2000, this would have been late 2006 or early 2007. So yeah, you could, I could, you know, if I needed some film I'd just walk into CVS and right. buy four packs of film and then I'd be good for the week, you know. Right. And that lasted for, you know, that lasted for about two years and then uh, I remember actually it was it was our key, our the keyboard player in Wilco before a show uh, in the dressing room said, "Hey, I read read the news about Polaroid." I was like, "What are you What are you talking about?" I was like, "Yeah, they're stopping the stopping the production of their film." And I, I thought he was, I just thought he was messing with me, you know, because right. that was right when I was sort of in the obsessive phase of, of shooting a lot. And uh, so yeah, so that kind of changed everything, you know, and my approach to kind of my approach to what I was doing. And 
then Wilco was out on tour a lot that following spring after the announcement. And at that time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, a moment there where the, pretty much the only place that you could walk in and buy film for several months was Walmart. Yes. I don't know if they worked out some exclusive deal or something, but all the remaining stock must have gone, or most of it must have gone. Walmart had uh, Polaroid film till the bitter end. Yeah. yeah. So we were, we were touring in the Midwest and kind of all, you know, a lot of smaller towns and just so happens that's where all the Walmarts are. So that tour was sort of my Polaroid tour of buying up as much as I could. Yeah, so I, I did a lot of shooting in that in that period from about 2006 to 2000, you know, end of 2009. Do you feel there was a tie-in, at least when you were shooting, to you know the disappearing America theme, the 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 uh, subject matter you chose, with the fact that you were basically shooting on a format that is dying and and is going to go the way of the dinosaur? Yeah, I mean, I it wasn't a really conscious. Uh, it wasn't a conscious thing, but uh, I was interviewed for the uh, for a Wilco um, DVD, uh, and I ended up um, kind of saying that in the in the interview, and that was the first time that it really came to mind that that was something that was happening, that the film was dying out, and a lot of the things that I happened to shoot were these sort of pieces of a, pieces of a fading American landscape that was something that I sort of see disintegrating right. over the years of touring and stuff. So I think that unconsciously that probably was happening. It wasn't, I shoot other things as well. You know, I like to shoot people and uh, everything I shoot isn't about decay. Right, right. But it just so happens that when you're traveling a lot around the United States, as I, as I have, you do come in contact with a lot of that, a lot of that decaying part of, part of our landscape. Absolutely, especially the, the Midwest. Midwest and the South and everywhere, really. You yeah. know, um, how, how did the book project come to be? How did that concept come together as a book? Uh, it came together because Wilco, uh, Wilco put together a music and arts festival at the Mass Mocha this past summer in August. Um, that was, uh, Wil Wilco was the headlining band. We curated the, the festival. We invited other musical acts to play through the weekend. Um, people in the band or connected to the band also had some visual art um, exhibits. I had the, a Polaroid exhibit. Our Nels Klein, our guitar player who's standing right here, he had a fantastic exhibit, uh, uh, interactive guitar pedal installation, and our drummer had a had a really great thing. So that happened, uh, and I felt like since I was going to be exhibiting my photographs, it might be nice to have something that would be a, a souvenir from that. Right. And it was going to be something smaller, but once I started to put it together, I just decided to go ahead and make a make a real photo book, kind of similar to the photo books that I right. like myself. You happy with the turnout of the book? Yes, very, very happy. Uh, worked with... Um, Worked with a company in, in Los Angeles called Paper Chase Press that, that did a great job, you know, making the book. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 this is new territory for me. It's I've never done anything like this before, and it's been a learning experience, and um, it's been really really nice. You know, it's, people have been supportive. It's been great to meet people like you and and, and Dave Bias here at Impossible Project. I mean, just 
just to, you know, like I was telling somebody before, I mean, all these, all these images, I mean, I have thousands of them in shoebox, shoeboxes and manila envelopes, and they're just kind of everywhere in my apartment. I have kind of hidden away, and it's really great that they've made their way from, from out of the shoeboxes, under my couch, out into the world, and, and you know, get to, it, it allows me to interact with, with people like you. And, and Has this experience allowed you to interact with somewhat Polaroid fans, fanatics, shooters? Did, did you know there was much of a, of a cult around vintage film photography? Yeah, I, I did because mostly through Flickr. Uh, Flickr was kind of was an eye opener for me and and, and an encourager too. Because when I when I got the SX70 and I started shooting, and then I was looking around the internet for infor more information about the SX70 and, and other images, it all kind of led to Flickr. And then I discovered this whole community of, of Flickr people that were shooting with Polaroid and scanning their images and posting them, and then having conversations through through Flickr and it was really a, that was that was kind of a, a big part of it for me it was that encouraged me to start sharing my images with people because then I had a place to do it and then you know people would it's like it's a really amazing community I have a similar experience it's just it's it's amazing Flickr. Yeah, I've, I've made some friends on Flickr. You know. And then I discovered as well, I didn't know this at the time, but the camera that I shot a lot of this stuff with, uh, I bought on eBay from a, from a fellow who is also a Flickr person. So at some point I realized, oh, this is the guy that I bought the camera from. And so it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I, I kind of, um, I didn't shoot as much this past year as I was for a while, so I kind of got a little bit out of out of the out of the uh, the loop with that. But I've uh, recently recently posted some new images, and and it's it's great. People are still really enthusiastic about it all. How has the book signings been fun? It's been great. It's been it's been great. You know, I'm so flattered that Impossible invited me to their space, and this, this space is so beautiful and. and it's a, it's a stormy night in New York, and you know a lot of people came out tonight. Yeah. It's really, it's really nice. Your your band with John, the Autumn Defense. You have a new album coming out on the second of November. Yes. Will you be uh, playing out to support that album? We are doing we're doing a tour of, of mostly the East Coast, starting on November fifth in um, in Three Oaks, Michigan. We're going to make our way to the East Coast from there. We'll go up to Toronto and. Back down to you know Boston. Here we'll come through here in New York and make our way down the East Coast. And so yeah, that'll be about two weeks. That'll be a two-week tour. Um, the album comes out November second, and then next year, early next year, we hope to do some more touring as well. Maybe on the West Coast, try to do some stuff in the Southeast. So yeah, we're we're uh, we got a lot of stuff happening you know in the next few months. But we're we're I'm I'm really looking forward to the release of the album. You're also a full-time member of Wilco. Right. So that, I'm, I'm sure things are bubbling there as well. They are. We, we spent a lot of time on the road this past year and we're, we're about to take a nice nice break from touring um, and start writing some new material and spending time in the studio. So 
we'll be active, just in a different way. You know, we'll be we'll be we'll be in creative mode, and, right? Which, which will which will be nice. Well, fantastic! Ira. thanks for the time and thanks for for shooting Polaroids because uh, there's such an amazing audience out there, both shooting and supporting uh, other photographers' work. So I think that 100 Polaroids is a, an amazing contribution to the re-emerging Polaroid scene and it's certainly what Impossible's doing, so. Well, thanks, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's been a blast. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, just, just the experience of making this book has introduced me to a lot of, uh, a lot of photographers I didn't know about, you know, people like Chloe Aftel, who's just, I think, does beautiful work and uh, I just saw I just saw a book by a guy named Mike Slack who did some has has three really incredible books out of, of Polaroid photography so I'm gonna look these books up yeah you should yeah, yeah there, there's so and I'm sure there's gonna be more yeah. emerging you know in the next you know in the near future I think they're gonna start they're gonna start popping up you know even more so. well thank you Pat yeah thanks Mike great Pat Sansone, 100 Polaroids. He's really, really excited about uh, everything that's going on. Passion. It's all about passion. Now, is he the front man for Autumn Defense? I'm not familiar with. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a duo. Okay. So I wouldn't say necessarily he's the front man. Oh, it's on, there's only two members. Two members. Oh, okay. Two members of the Autumn Defense. Right. Their new album, Once Around comes out on uh, November 2nd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you going to get it? I am going to get it. Oh, very, very now nice. Now I'm trying to think if I'm going to get the vinyl the CD or the MP3 download. Oh, they're putting out a vinyl? Putting out a vinyl. Oh. Should probably go for the vinyl, right? Yeah, absolutely. Also from a possible USA is Anne Bowerman. And she told me a little bit about what's going on with Impossible and also what's going on with what's known as Levi's Workshop. Okay. This is a workshop in New York City where you walk in and you could check, you could like use their cameras. They have, they have both digital and old-timey film cameras and you could shoot with their stuff. So it's sort of like a rental house. Yes, it's a rental house, but it's free. Free? F free. Free. How about that? What, what, well, what is the stipulation? I mean, there's got to be. There's no stipulation. Well, I mean, you got to, like, do you leave something behind? What if you just take the camera and don't bring it, it back? It sounds to me. It sounds to me, Joe, like you'd like to go there with me. I would. We're going to try to check it out. Okay. But here's Anne talking a little bit about the Levi's Workshop and Impossible. I'm here with Annie from The Impossible Project, NYC. Hi. Hey. What's the latest and greatest? Um, the thing that we're most excited about right now, besides Pat's show, of course, is we are one of the participants in the Levi's Photography Workshops here in New York. And if you come into the city and you go to 18 Wooster, Levi's has this incredible space set up with all sorts of free opportunities for photographers. You can go in, you can shoot with a $50,000 digital uh, Leica camera. Um, there are gorgeous editing stations. There is a large format printer. There are scanners, so you could take Polaroids using Impossible Project Film, scan them, and print them out on a large format printer for free, or you could print them onto a t-shirt. And we have given two workshops there that were a great success. And we're going to be giving more workshops over the next two months. A couple introductory workshops, basically like what's impossible, who are we, what are we doing, and then some master classes explaining in detail how to use our film and its quirks, um, or as I like to say, its a unique set of challenges. And we're going to be touching on emulsion lifts and 
um, how to manipulate the film. And if you go to our website or if you go to the Flickr group, we'll definitely be posting the dates that we're doing that. But it's just, it's such a tremendous honor and, you know, um, we love Levi's aesthetic and they love ours, so it really is a, it's a perfect match. So we're really, really excited about that. And that's, the, that's this fall, that's fall 2010? Um, it runs, the Levi's workshops run through December 18th of this year. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, we will definitely be back probably at least once this month and then three or four times in November and December. So we have that. And then in November, uh, we have our next generation of the PX70 film coming out. It's called PX70 Push. You know, we're just moving ahead with the, the other films. And, you know, we've got some good things on the horizon for 2011. Great. Tell me about, since the release of the uh, Impossible Films in March, have you accumulated a, a group of cult fans or a what I would call an Impossible Army of fans? Tell me about the fans. <laughs> well, um, I would say that we have an Impossible Army of fans. We have lots of people. Um, we're actually finding it easier to convert people who've never shot Polaroid before because they come into the store or they go to the website and they don't have any preconceived ideas about what the film is supposed to look like. So they look at our film and they get really excited and you know they, they become fans that way. We sell a lot of cameras here in the New York space. We sell tons of SX-70s and lately you know Spectras seem to be really hot. So we've got all these new fans. And you know we've got a loyal, um, a loyal audience who's been with us from the beginning. And you know then there are people. You know I'm sure you've seen on Flickr. Um, you know there are people who don't quite understand the nature of the film. And you know as I mentioned earlier, the the unique challenges inherent in using our film. But you know I always consider it a personal achievement when I can explain to you know someone who comes in and they're like your film sucks. You don't know what you're doing and. If I can explain to them how to use the film, and if they can leave, you know, with a pack of film, and they come back and they say it's working, um, you know, that always makes me feel really good. So you've also, I see online, Vimeo, YouTube, you've initiated a regular uh, video program. Yeah, um, we've started making videos that we're calling Impossible Solutions, and we decided to do that because we found that the U.S. audience is very visually motivated. You know, it's one thing to have an explanation on our website, you know, how to shoot the film, but we find that for some people, actually showing them a video or showing them, you know, lots of pictures, it helps. I know that, that for me, if, you know, I was unfamiliar with the film, I would find the videos really helpful. So we have a huge list of topics. And right now we're just kind of going by the things uh, that people ask about the most. And that's how we're gonna keep coming up with ideas. And you know, we're having a blast shooting them and people seem to enjoy them. So we're gonna keep making them. Fantastic, good job. Thank you very much. So how about that Levi's workshop? Sounds good. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. But that's not all. I did also ask Dave Bias about, you know, what's happening with uh, Impossible Film and talked a little bit about some of the more, the wackier cameras like the Captiva and his opinion about Polaroid in the 1990s. So let's, uh, let's roll some tape on Dave Bias. There's always something new with Impossible because uh, as anyone knows who's been following what we've done so far, we've got something new literally every couple of months. Uh, the latest film that we have out is called uh, PX600 UV Plus, and it's by far the best film that we've made so far as, in terms of 
the stability and the ease of use and, and just the look of it. It's, it's really gorgeous. It's almost a true black and white film, which I think a lot of people haven't ever seen out of a Polaroid camera. Polaroid did make some black and white film for a couple of years, and I think all of it sold in Europe <laughs> because a lot of the uh, American audience wasn't really interested in it. But uh, we're, we're super excited about it. It's, it's another in our evolution of films, and it's, I think, further proof of what we are going to be able to do in the future based on what we can do now, just seven months out from making our first pack of film. We've got finally a, a nice, stable, sharp, beautiful film. And, you know, that's pretty remarkable to me. I mean, I'm, I work here and I'm still fascinated by what the guys are able to come up with at the factory in, in Holland. Um, they're really my heroes and I, I hope a lot of other people's as well because they're doing just amazing stuff with really extremely limited resources and manpower and you know having to hunt down all these new components for this film and having to test all these different chemical formulas sort of on the fly uh, it's really incredible and uh, I'm really proud of this film it's it's I, I think the first film that we've put out that really showcases the cameras and, and showcases what is, is going to be coming down the road. Is there enough support for uh, the Spectra system for Impossible to continue to release Spectra film? Oh, for sure. Um, the, the PZ600, which was the last film that came out before the, uh, the 600UV, uh, is another really gorgeous film and it's actually turned a lot of people back onto their, their Spectra cameras. Spectra cameras in the US were really mostly used by professionals, uh, cops and dentists and uh, casting agents and people like that. And it never really got to be that truly like mass market popular film. I, I think because a lot of the cameras are out there and they're pretty cheap and pretty easy to come by and, and they take a really nice picture. Uh, as we release films for the Spectra camera, I think it's gonna gain in popularity a little bit among art photographers and people who are you know looking just for an alternative look, you know, because the Spectra is a more of a rectangular format, not a square format. Some people, uh, you know, anyone that, especially that shoots film or anyone that shoots digital even, will tell you that, you know, there's something about the rectangular format that just feels right in a photograph. Uh, I'm a square format guy myself, but, uh, you know, I've recently, because of this new PZ film, I've had a whole new appreciation for, for the Spectra camera. I just want to get your thoughts, and if it's a laugh, that's okay too. But what are your thoughts about Polaroid 500 and kind of the cult behind the Captiva and the Joy Cam? And well, you know, I, I feel two ways about it. I mean, I, I'm, I think like a lot of people, I'm even though I wouldn't have a job, I'm sad that Polaroid stopped making all this stuff. At the same time, I think that Polaroid, especially through the 90s and even in the early 2000s. I really think they did themselves a disservice to some degree by making cheap cameras that didn't really take the best picture uh, to the point where I, we've, we've seen really a myth that exists among uh, a lot of people out there that Polaroid is fuzzy or not sharp. And the film itself is actually extremely sharp. Uh, even the little joy cam films, if you put them in a good camera, would make a nice sharp picture. Uh, it, it's, it's the fact that they, you know, started making cameras less and less and less expensive and more and more and more of them. And I think just the production process itself didn't really lend itself to making a good high quality camera. And so the Joycam, the Mio, you know, it's a, it's a Fuji camera. 
they're, they're really meant for people that aren't really looking necessarily for the, the sharpest image, right. but just something that's convenient and quick and, and makes a nice, funny picture that you can post on the refrigerator. Right. Basically, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty much an egalitarian photographer. I think a snapshot and a fine art print have equal right to exist in the world. Uh, and I'm, I'm also not, you know, against digital photography or, or anything like that. I choose film for my own photography because I want to sort of say something with this, with the equipment that I use and the film that I choose and, and all these things. But, you know, I've also recently be, become a big fan of my iPhone camera, so I'm, I'm the last one to get picky about right. how you take the picture uh, or even, you know, the result that you get. Uh, you know, I've used a lot of toy cameras, and toy cameras aren't really sharp either. Right. You know, so if, you, if you're using uh, one of those kind of films and, and if, if you can still find some of that film out there, I say use it. I mean, I'm... You know, if it's analog, I love it, right. and uh, I'm I'm not the kind of person that's gonna, you know, say, well, you should buy our films instead. I mean, I think you should, in in a way, but at the same time, I'm, uh, you know, I I figure if someone's holding a camera in their hands and taking a picture, then they're my friend, you know, and and I I think that's a generally a good thing, and one of these days, they might stumble upon an SX-70 and learn the magic of this camera and then they're going to be calling me to look for some film. That's a, a great uh, enthusiastic attitude to have. Well, you know, I, I, like to, I like to be kind of equal opportunity with this stuff and, and I don't really think that Impossible or Fuji or Kodak or anybody really has any leg to stand on to turn people away from, from photography. I think if we want to keep film in the world and if we want to keep uh, you know, photography being a, a vibrant and viable way to express yourself, then you've got to take all comers. You've got to, you know, you've got to take everyone and just judge, judge the work and not necessarily how they achieve the work. Fantastic. Thanks, Dave. All right. Great. Thank you. So that's it. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. It was a really, really great night. And I'm happy to say, because November is so jam-packed, next week, next week, we're going to have a show, myself and Dwayne, and it's going to be a report from the PDN Photo Expo in New York City. This show will be available on November 1st. Dwayne and I go annually to the PDN Photo Expo at the Jacob Javits Center. Please check out our Facebook page, and or please check, check our Flickr group to find out which days that Dwayne and I are going to be at the PDN Photo Expo. I think Friday. Drop, drop me an email, certainly. Filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. If you're going to the PDN show and would like to hook up with myself and Dwayne, chit-chat, take some pictures, and get some hugs, drop me an email. We've extended the date on our contests. We're giving away some great stuff. Most notably is 100 Polaroids, the book by Patrick Sansone, along with a Polaroid one-step close-up camera preloaded with a pack of impossible film. Just shoot me an email in the heading, put 100 Polaroids, and tell us your name your address, and a little bit about who you are and what you do to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. You have until November 3rd to get your entries in. Well, how, 
Could you explain, just because it's curious, how is it a contest? Like, what do people, they just send you emails and you choose a winner at random? I'm very glad you asked that, Joe. What happens is people send us an email, and I print them out, and I take it and I fold it up into a little ball, and I throw it into a box. And then, for our November 15th show, where I'll be here with Dwayne and hopefully John Fideli, we'll take the box, and it's like, ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. We shake it up, and then usually John picks a winner. Oh, okay. Very nice. That seems fair, right? Absolutely, yeah. Later on, Joe, you and I are going to be talking about the Kodak Pony 2. Okay. That was the camera that you got at the... Uh, boot fl- sale. The, you, <laughs> you call well, it. Now you have me saying boot yeah. sale, yeah. Uh, that we got at the boot sale. Uh, but I tested the Kodak Pony 2 using a roll of Kodak Ektar 25. It expired in 1994. It's, it's been refrigerated. We're giving away 10 rolls of Kodak Ektar 25 with, get this, processing, prints, and scans courtesy of Sharp Photo and Portrait in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Wow. Yes. Our good friend uh, Spencer at Sharp Photo and portrait. It was his idea. He emailed me, say, "Hey, Mike, let's do a contest." Oh, I don't, Spencer. I don't. I don't know if you talk like that. No, he doesn't. I talked to him on the phone. Oh, okay. And I thought it was a great idea. And I said, "Spencer, let's do it as long as it's absolutely free for our listeners." So all a listener has to do is ship up their, you know, pack up their shot film and send it to Sharp Photo and Portrait, and they'll get all that for free. So I'm supplying the film. Sharp Photo and Portrait is supplying the processing, prints, and scans. I'm giving away 10 rolls of Kodak Ektar 25. It's a great color print film, C41. C41. How does Sharp Processing know that this is an FPP listener? I'm glad that you asked that, Joe, because the 10 winners we pick will receive a roll of Kodak Ektar 25 as well as a certificate from... Sharp photo and that has the sharp photo and logo, our logo, and signed by me. Okay, so they would send in their film with the certificate. That's right. Okay. That's right. It's pretty exciting. I'm happy to say that I've now tested the Kodak Ektar 25. The film is good. I, I tested it in the Kodak Pony 2, which is my new love. <laughs> my latest. Did you do any research on that camera? I did. We're going to talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great camera, Great yeah. camera. Great camera. Great. That's quite a find, Joe. And I'm so happy with it that I'm going on eBay and I'm trying to find one for Dwayne. Oh. Because okay. Dwayne, Joe's like, hey, what about me? Oh, no, it's fine. I... Dwayne uh, doesn't have a 35-millimeter camera, so I'm sending. I'm going to set him up with a Kodak Pony 2. Does, does, does Dwayne even own any film cameras? Oh, yes. Dwayne has a 4x5 camera. Oh, he does? Yes, he does. Large format. How come you guys have never taken it out? You well, can't find film? Well, we, we took it out on the last episode. Oh, you did? Yes. We didn't shoot with it. We described it, and we're going to take it out. Oh, very nice. You'd be interested in that, too. Absolutely. And our good friend Carter Stevens, Carter is a filmmaker from the 1970s, most notably known for shooting second unit photography for the film Taxi Driver. That is correct. Yes. And uh, Carter apparently owns a crown graphic or a speed graphic 4x5 camera. Yes, he does. And we are going to get that camera. With a Polaroid back. By hook or crook. We're going to get that camera into the FPP studio and shoot with it. And he found his Polaroid back, too. He did? Yes. Oh, my goodness. For real? Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to shooting with that. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. Also, regarding our, regarding our contests, we're also giving away a Holga 120 TLR camera, courtesy of our friends at Freestyle Photographic. Oh, very nice. Freestyle Photographic. 
They're going to be at the PDN show. We're going to talk to them this week. So if you would like to win the Ektar 25 with processing, please send a separate email saying processing in the header. And just give us your name, your address, and tell us a little bit about yourself. If you'd like to enter the contest for the Holga TLR, courtesy of Freestyle, send us a separate email in the header. Put Holga, ditto, your name, address, a little bit about yourself. And we'll be pulling these... uh, Pulling winners on the 15th of November and get your entries in by somewhere around November 3rd. So we'll be right back. We're going to do some letters and a heck of a lot more. Whoa. With Polaroid's one step, you just press one button, a motor hands you the picture, and the sharp, brilliant color develops in minutes. Oh, very pretty. It's the world's simplest camera because of what you don't do. What don't you do? Well, you don't focus, you don't set exposures, you don't measure the distance. Sorry I asked. Or whine, prank, or peel anything, or worry about batteries, or getting your pictures developed. Does anybody remember all that? Nope. They get the one step and forget it. Mail's in. Uh, Wesley Phillips sent a letter in. Wesley's from Greer, South Carolina, and Wesley mentions that he heard about this podcast on Rob Nunn's SCL podcast. He recently acquired a Mamiya RB67, and he's thinking about getting a Polaroid pack back for that camera. So, uh, Wesley, thanks a lot, and Rob Nunn, I really appreciate Rob does, by the way, does our show notes now, which I'm very thankful for, and Rob has his own uh, podcast, the SCL podcast. Julian Camillo wrote in said, Hey, my name is Julian Camillo. I'm 23 years old, living in London, U.K., and studying graphic design illustration. I found your podcast after someone posted a thread about it on a Flickr group. It may have been the I Shoot Film or the Lomo group. I think that's really, really awesome. I uh, myself go into the I Shoot Film, Flickr group, and the Lomo group. It's sort of like um, the big film group on Flickr.com. If you are just tuning into the podcast, first time ever listening, uh, we do have a group on Flickr.com. If you haven't been to Flickr.com, please do log in and and just kind of take a look around. Flickr.com is really what inspired me to get back into photography after taking like a 15-year. Andy Prickett from South Elgin, Illinois, wrote in and said, I went to the Geneva Art Fair today and saw a booth of hand-altered Polaroids. This lady uses a positive-negative SX-70 film that she gets from Impossible. She pushes around the emulsion to make these painted pictures. She says it can keep the emulsion from setting as long as she wants by controlling the temperature. These photos are absolutely stunning. She's at www.vogelpix.com. That's V-O-G-E-L-P-I-X.com. Alex Moore from Upland, Indiana, writes in to tell us that he's studying photography at Taylor University. I'm getting a lot of uh, letters from students who are you know, discovering film photography and uh, are doing black and white uh, processing at their school, which is how I learned, by the way, in high school. Joe, did your high school have a uh, darkroom? Uh, no, we didn't. How about that uh, Film Institute in New York? Do they teach still photography? No. No, that, no, that was strictly you motion know, picture. Motion type. picture, yeah. yeah. What was the name of that school? That was uh, the New York Film Academy. Oh. Jan Peter writes in, and he says, I love your podcast. When I listen to it on my iPod, it lightens up my daily commute, and it sometimes makes me giggle. <laughs> so that other train passengers stare at me. Uh, Jan Peter is in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. 
and started doing analog photography some 18 months ago. Oh. That's pretty cool. Oh, does he does he take pictures down at the uh, red light zone? Because <laughs> I'd like to see those. <laughs> really? Yeah. Jan, you should shoot us some Polaroid and send it in. Uh, Jan, I thought that honestly, I thought that you you know naturally were going to say, did Jan take any pictures, Polaroid pictures at the uh, Impossible Project Factory? Oh, uh, are they located over there? They're in uh, Enschede, Netherlands. Okay. I don't. I don't know how far, you know, Amsterdam is from Enschede. I know. I, yeah. If anybody knows, you shoot us an email at filmphotographypodcast at gmail dot com. Any folks, I'm reading. You know, your letters uh, here on the show. If you have some images that you shot since you sent the letters in, because some of these letters, the letters, Joe, are. You know, I'll show you. These. This. These are the amount of letters I'm reading on this podcast. Like six. This is the amount of letters that we still have. Oh my god, it's a good book. Yeah. So, love you guys. This is a letter from Peter Nell. My name is Peter Nell, and I'm a big fan of your guys' podcast. I started shooting just this year when I enrolled in a 35mm black and white class at my college. Peter is in California, and um, he says, Hey, thanks for the podcast. I look forward to it every month. You guys rule, and your bad jokes are hilarious. Thanks. Really, I am. My life is inundated with uh, film photography. It's everywhere, and uh, I took a few pictures here around the table. I hope to post. It's it's like film photography chaos here at the studio. There are cameras everywhere. There are cameras on every tabletop and desktop in this facility. It's it's really out of control. Claire Kruger writes in. She's from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a young photographer. I just graduated from a small liberal arts college in Florida. I've been shooting since I was 12, when my parents lent me an XA4. I shoot mostly street photography, generally using the Olympus XA2 or XA, although I used to be a diehard Minolta Hymatic fan. I also shot a few studio portraits of people blinking. Yes, 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 Claire, we, uh, we, we, we noted you in a previous episode as well. I actually pr- went to your website and printed that out, uh, and it wound up separate from your letter. And I saw your blinking photos. And something that's offbeat and fun like that really uh, puts, a, puts a big smile, I think, on a lot of people's faces. Everyone can go to http colon forward slash forward slash cargocollective.com forward slash Claire Kruger. C-L-A-I-R-E-L-K-R-U-E-G-E-R. Thanks, Claire. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the blinking photos. We'll be right back right after this quick message. Hey, it's Mike Rosso, and I'm here to tell you about The Pink Delicates and their full-length album, Who Stole the Quiet Day. You've heard lots of cuts here on the podcast, and you can check out their full-length album by going to cdbaby.com and searching Pink Delicates. Their music is right there, ready for download purchase or buy the CD. Check out The Pink Delicates. Who Stole the Quiet Day? Hey, 
this is Michael Rosso, producer of the Film Photography Podcast. If you visit our newly revised homepage, filmphotographypodcast.com, you'll notice that in the upper right-hand corner there's now a donate button. This means we want you to get involved. You can donate a vintage camera, as long as it works, some film, or U.S. dollars, which we'll turn around and put right back into the podcast, filmphotographypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. man thanks joe oh it's too much can you dump out like half of it he was kind enough to run into the kitchen here and make a pot of joe <laughs> joe made a pot of joe did you drink any yet no not yet okay <clears throat> this is from neil thorley hey guys i think you should consider doing a live podcast maybe once a month it would be great to listen live and have a Twitter back channel during the cast. I may have, re- you know what's happening, Joe? We have this. I have a book size pile of letters, but I think maybe I keep reading the same twenty every podcast. Why does that does that come up a lot? I, th- I may have read this one already. I'm not quite sure. <clears throat> but the idea of doing like once once a month doing a live podcast that would be kind of wild because then all of our friends out there could call in and actually talk to us live. That'd be wild. That'd be fun, yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun. I would be willing to try it. You know. It's a little stressful because I mean this podcast is edited, and I do I do fumble a lot. I do a lot of fumbling, and um, you know the post production process allows uh, me to uh, insert incredible, ridiculous sound effects. But uh, a live show would be definitely be, be a uh, much different vibe. Coffee and the FPP. Oh, boy. It's a little weak, Joe. You think? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I use the uh, the espresso. Oh. Uh, yeah. Starbucks? Yeah. The, uh, we were at a insane. video facility with our good friend Bruce Goldstein, and I brought in my Polaroid Automatic 100 camera, and it had a flash, and, and I took a few shots, and it worked great, and all of a sudden, the flash, you know, fell. And I opened it up, and I uh, looked inside, and a lot of the wiring just disintegrated. <laughs> So there was a technician working there, like a, an, an engineer, a, a video engineer working there. And you know, he's, I'm sure a lot of folks out there listening know a guy like this, a guy or girl like this, someone who just is like a miracle worker, I call them. Like they could take something like an old 1960s flash and rewire it. It's sort of like uh, Nate at option eight. Oh, that rhymes. That rhymes. Uh, I bought my Polaroid Automatic 100 from Nate at option eight. Let's say it together. Nate at option eight. Uh, I, I think I ran into him on either Flickr, a Flickr group, or maybe on the eBay. But uh, the Flash, um, you know, the, the wires kind of just came apart. And um, Dwayne, this guy Dwayne, not Dwayne Polkew and not Dwayne Photo, Dwayne from this facility, he's one of these guys that has like a workbench, and he works on all sorts of oddball stuff. Like you could bring him a Sony Betamax machine from the 1980s. Or a VHS machine. He sounds like a real nerdo, Mike. And and he'll find parts and make it work. So I gave him this flash, and like 15 minutes later, he came in and he he rewired it. Wow. You were there. I was. Yes. Yes. 
And it was just like nothing to him. It was just like, oh, he just shrugged it. Unfortunately, I'm not that handy, you know, with this this, this stuff. And I have a table full of um, Polaroid cameras that are, you know, either defunct or something's wrong with them or, you know, they need some attention in some way, shape, or form. But I'm fascinated with kind of cameras that are defunct, which is why I now own, seriously, Joe, about four or five Polaroid Captiva SLRs. Polaroid Captiva SLR uh, camera came out in the early 90s, and I took this Polaroid 500 film, and I've been buying the film on eBay whenever possible. Uh, it's very, very expensive. As a matter of fact, there's an auction up uh, right now as of, of the uh, as of this recording of this podcast. Uh, if it's for two packs of uh, Polaroid 500 film, which is 10 images per pack. It's 20 exposures. And, I, and when I left the auction, I, I did not bid. I was just watching it. It was up to $61. Oh, God. That's sixty-one U.S. dollars for what I perceive as a, a you know, good ninety percent chance of one hundred percent failure. Okay. And he, I'm opening up a pack right now that I acquired from eBay, uh, and this expired in July of two thousand four. Which, if 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 this was stored properly, this should be fine. Oh. But I've had very little luck with these packs. And I'm awaiting a response back from the Impossible Project uh, because I, I just sent them an email. I figure, well, why not ask? Oh. Dear Impossible, with the popularity uh, and almost cult status, I, I kind of made that up. Polaroid Captiva SLR and the Polaroid Joy camera. What is the possibility of you manufacturing new film, you know, for Polaroid 500 cameras? At the off chance. That, you know, maybe in that factory, there may be machines that will produce the 500 film. Yes. You know, Mike, I hear most human beings spend money on a, something called a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, that's a low blow, dude. <laughs> well, I don't know. It goes to me, too. Well, oh, so you're saying we could dish it out because we're part of that. We're part of that, yeah. Anyhow, I have the Polaroid uh, Captiva SLR. And before your very eyes, I'm going to uh, insert. I'm now inserting a pack of film. By the way, previous packs of film have exploded in the camera, leaking white, uh, like caustic chemicals all over the camera. Yes. So here we go. That's a pretty good sign, Joe. Oh, it is. Yeah, it loaded the uh, black card, which does not have an expression on it. Oh. It just says Polaroid. So I'm going to take a picture of Joe. So okay, I set up a little slave light. Now I'm looking at Joe. I'm going to take a uh, vertical shot of Joe with the Polaroid Captiva. Oh, that's great, Joe. I love it. And here we go. Whoa. Wow. I actually think we may get an exposure. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, let me get one more, Joe. Some, like, crazy face that you can make. Okay. It's great. Here we go. Uh, now, we have partial fail. As you can see by the images, Joe, the, the chemicals, you know, are not evenly distributed in the film packs. Yeah. With Polaroid film, as most people know, well, if you listen to this, this podcast, you know, the uh, chemicals get distributed by uh, going through a set of rollers, and it, it, it squeezes the chemicals, the developer, onto the film, making the film instantly develop. Right, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm going to fold up the... Polaroid Captiva. It'd be amazing if we didn't have fail for once. Let's see. Okay. Okay. And here is... How about that? A woman by the name of Holly F. Dupree uh, wrote a book called Polaroid Image Transfers, Tools and Techniques. And it is an actual e-book. You can go online and you'll get a PDF. You'll get a PDF of this book for absolutely free. It's for... Really? Yeah. 
I printed it out and I put it in this binder, and that is a Polaroid transfer right there. Of Hen- <laughs> it sure is. Of Henry Kudo. Yep. Playing a ukulele. Henry Kudo. So if you go to the Google and you type in Holly F. Dupree, that's D U P R E, you'll find a PDF book called Polaroid Image Transfers Tools and Techniques. And of course, an image transfer is when you shoot Polaroid pack film, you, you, it's, it's the, the peel film. <laughs> you peel the film, and then there's a gookie side of it. If you take the gookie side and slam it on a piece of paper and kind of rub it, you will actually get an image. And it's remarkable. It's a remarkable, unique, grindy image. Grindy. Yeah. And this book is free. And the only, the only thing that Holly asks is, oh, for God's sake, please don't sell it. Use it. Read it. Share it. Use it for education. But for God's sake, don't steal my book and sell it. That's a reasonable thing to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the car boot sale and some of the cameras you, you uh, purchased, Joe. Okay. But yeah, no, I, w- I went through the, uh, the list before. We got I got that, Co- that Kodak Pony 2. <laughs> the flash, you know, is connected right. Why don't you pull that out there? Yeah. There you go. Joe Colbeck in his car boot sale, you, you picked up a huge box of cameras, including like four or five 1990s point-and-shoot 35-millimeter cameras, all for 30 U.S., correct? Yes. That's remarkable. That's the great thing about a car boot sale. Our good friend Rob Nunn, mentioned that he picked up a uh, Fuji Instax mini camera for five pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty amazing. And it was like new. And it's great because you can all, you can always haggle these guys down even lower because, you know, no, they don't know what the hell they have. And nor should they. I mean, this stuff's of no, you know, it's of no way. People know, seem very cognizant of eBay. Like, you're going to take this and you're going to sell it on eBay and make a lot of money. Any of that going on, you think? Me? No, people out there. You, I, oh. The guy, like, the, you know, I was not at the car boot sale, also known as a flea market. You were there. I mean, the guys that had these cameras, were they just trying to get rid of them? It was, you know, it was one guy. It just, yeah, he seemed like he was just trying to get rid of get rid of everything. So uh, Joe picked up one of the cameras. is a, a Kodak Pony 2 camera. <laughs> I love these cameras. Anytime it's a, it's a you know, an old-timey Kodak camera. <laughs> Uh, this is an amazing camera and has a flash attached to the side of it. There's no name on the flash, but it's very unusual. I'm going to take a shot of it and put it on my Flickr page. Okay. According to uh, the interweb, and it is the uh, Camerapedia.org, by the way. Camerapedia.org, according to them, this camera, Joe, which you probably didn't know, was produced from 1957 to 1962. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in this camera, this is also what I love about buying used cameras. Maybe one out of five times you find a roll of exposed film in the camera. Oh, there, there was a roll of film in that That's camera, right, right, there was. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I have some of those shots on my uh, Flickr page, a set called Forgotten Film. Forgotten Film is, uh, I just find it amazing and it's very touching because uh, I devel- I've developed some film from cameras that have been holiday pictures, people at the beach. Right, and I've I've placed the time frame around 1963 of, of a family on a beach, and this is a roll of film that was forgotten in a camera. And those people, certainly the young people in those pictures, they, they're still with us, most likely still with us. And I have their pictures. Right. And these pictures were never seen by them, and I have really no way of of finding them, finding you know finding out who they are. So in the Pony Two, Joe was a roll of Kodachrome from I would guess. Somewhere between 1957 and 1962. It was an old roll of Kodachrome. It was not the, the current 
known as K-14 process. K-14. It was a process known as K-11, which means that no one can develop the film. Really? No one. I sent an email over to Dwayne's Photo in Parsons, Kansas, here in the U.S., and um, Crystal, very nice Crystal, she always emails me back when I have questions, says, no, we don't handle it. It's it's too old-timey for us. And uh, so then I picked up the phone, and I called the good folks at Blue Moon Camera. They're in Oregon. So Blue, Blue Moon Camera, they're a little more hands-on. I think that Dwayne's is much more of a um, sort of like a they – their, they have their processes down. They do K-14. They do C-41. They do E-6. They do all the film processes. C-41. K-14. E-6. And I think they're more of a factory mentality. So when you call and ask them for like special work, they don't do it because they're, they're just not capable of handling that kind of work. Okay. So I talked to a gentleman over at Blue Moon Camera, and I said, uh, I have Kodachrome K11. I know we can't do it, but I posed the question, can you develop the Kodachrome K11 as black and white? And uh, he said, yeah, we're going to give that a shot. He's like, most likely we'll get an image. There's no guarantee. It's going to cost you $6 US, and uh, I'm willing to take that risk to find out what's on this film, Joe. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm very anxious. By the way, you know, it's it's just very exciting to find a film and a camera and then get it developed. This camera has a flash on the side. It's a Kodak flash. It it takes an M2 flash bulb. This is also a much larger socket, which I have not investigated with bulb, but it's for a much bigger bulb. But the I fired um, a few exposures on the the roll that was in this camera, and I just loaded a brand new roll of Kodachrome film. Well, actually, no, it's a it's a brand new roll to me of Kodachrome film. I felt it was appropriate. Uh, I, I loaded a roll of Kodachrome 25, 20 exposures into the Pony 2, <laughs> and this film, which I bought on eBay, has an expiration date of. December 1978. Super amazing. Okay. What I found from shooting with very expired film is that if you want a picture to look old time, shoot with old film. If you want if you want something to look old, shoot on old film. I've already exposed a roll of this film in my Olympus Trip 35, you know, expired 1978. And I went over to the Willowbrook Mall, which whenever I go to Willowbrook Mall, I always think of the 1978 film Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Is, why is that where they shot it? No, they shot it at the Monroeville Mall in, oh, okay. uh, in Pennsylvania. But Are there still zombies there? <laughs> probably. Uh, but the Willowbrook Mall was built in the 1970s. Like, it was built like 1969, 1970. So the Willowbrook Mall looks like 1970 like the architecture is just dated so here i am out there with my olympus trip 35 with my 1978 expired film and i, sh- I, r- I shot the role of just architecture and i shipped off the film to Dwayne's photo they brought you know they sent me my transparencies back and there you have it you know the, the, the film is highly shifted to magenta very low contrast the film looks like 1978 Wow. That's really cool. That's very cool. No, it's really, really cool. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that because sometimes when you're shooting something, like a model or or fashion or just some outside stuff, certainly not your parents' 50th anniversary party. Oh, oh, hold that look, Joe. Oh, okay. About five feet from me. I'm going to take a quick shot with the... Okay. Oh. The bulb, the bulbs, the... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The M2 bulbs, of course, these oh M- they're ancient. You smell that? Yeah. You know, the bulbs pop, and then they b- burn up. They don't catch on fire. 
And then you pop them out, they sizzle. You can hear them sizzling. And then the whole oh, then the whole room smells like burned plastic, which I attribute, which I attributed to, which I I comp the burning plastic to. I called it Christmas because when I was growing up, my parents had a plastic Christmas tree, and they used to put these lights on them, like bulbs, like a nightlight bulb, and the bulb would touch the plastic tree, and the house would smell like burning plastic. Look, I don't, it was just like a late 1960s kind of thing. Okay, I, I can't. It sounds odd now, but I don't know if anyone out there is you know in their 40s. Kind of remembers that kind of scenario? Send me an email, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. The great thing about the pony, too, Joe, was that it was in such fine condition. There was a roll of film in it, and it had the flash on the side. It's kind of like a sidecar. Right. You, know, you could po- you could take this uh, flash off. But it's great that the flash worked and everything. You know, it's well, totally operational. The flash, all these flashes have what I call hidden compartments, which means you need a screwdriver to, to take a screw out and then pull a compartment panel off. And then there's a space, what they used to call pen light batteries which are now double a batteries and the same applies to polaroid pack cameras there's a, a flash made for polaroid pack cameras where the battery is hidden in like a secret compartment and the biggest problem with buying flashes on the ebay is that um very few sellers unscrew these panels and look underneath to find a just exploded <laughs> compartment of of icky white chemical goo right like a shitty diaper <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we opened this compartment. And it was clean. And we popped some batteries in here. I had my M2 flashes, just flash bulbs sitting on uh, my uh, windowsill in my office. And bing, bam, boom, we're rocking and rolling. Um, of course, this particular camera, as in many uh, 35mm cameras from the 50s and early 60s, it doesn't have uh, a adjustable shutter speed, and it does not have f-stops. It has what's known as exposure value, yeah. which is totally baffling to me because it's math. Okay? But you just need an exposure value chart, right? Well, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Yes, you need. You just need an exposure value chart. You go to the Google. The Google. Google. And uh, by the way, there's not a day that goes by that I don't. I'm not thankful for Yahoo, Google, Ask Jeeves, or any of these, you know, search engines that are on the uh, internet because it's really just amazing. It's an amazing thing. Oh yeah. When uh, you were a child, Joe, uh-huh. and I was a younger person, I mean, we didn't have these things. No. No, I'm I serious. No, I just asked my dad. Okay, there you go. Did he have the answers? <laughs> yeah. Good. So I looked up this camera. It has a, uh, based on the groups I went to, my, I, I, I'm guessing and probably correct that the shutter speed is 1 60th of a second. And uh, you have exposure values from 15 through 9, which means this camera has, you know, basically f-stops from f22 all the way up to f2.8 which is terrific and all you have to do is print out the exposure value chart by using the google the google and you just look down the chart and you see you know 160 of a second and you trace down and then it tells you what the f-stop equivalent is for the exposure values which is amazing this is a great great camera joe well, good. It, yeah, it's a really, really nifty camera. This is the prize. Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, this is the prize. Oh, by the way, the, the just side note, uh, this is from Camerapedia. The Kodak Pony cameras are a series of what's known as Bakelot. <laughs> Bakelot? Bakelot. <laughs> because they're they're plastic, but they're called, I call them Bakelite, which is kind of funny. Bakelite. They're like a molded plastic from the 50s. Okay. Yeah, they're plastic. How do you pronounce it? Well, I call it Bakelite. B-A-K-E-L-I-T-E. Bakelite. Bakelite. Yeah. And uh, these cameras were designed by Arthur H. Crapsey. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, somehow I just knew that, like, you know... 
You would laugh when I said that. Oh, Mr. Crapsey. Yeah, Mr. Crapsey, yeah. 1990 to 1998. He died in 1998. This is also from Camerapedia. He was an influential camera designer working for Eastman Kodak. And uh, he went to ceramic. He, he graduated in ceramic design, served in the Air Force, World War II. And he became one of Kodak's first industrial designers in 1945. And uh, between 48 and 1958, he was credited with patents for a large number of cameras, including the Brownie Bullseye, the Flash 20, the Hawkeye, the Holiday. Wow. The Starflex, the Starlight, the Starmatic, the Pony, the Pony 2, the Signet. Now, are you familiar with, like, the Starlight, and are you familiar with any of these other names? Oh, yeah, yeah. You are? I have them in the in the studio in the back. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. You, you know, I haven't shot with the, uh, like, the Brownie Bullseye in quite a few months, but... Well, you have a Starlight? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I saw it. Yeah. The Kodak Signet 35, which is this, the second camera you picked up, was also designed by Arthur Hunt Crapsey Jr. Did any of these guys know Charles Poopsy? <laughs> <laughs> now, I have not tested this camera. This camera has a shutter that's a little on the uh, sticky side, but it has oh. a Ektar lens, uh, which is probably excellent. So we're going to give this a, uh, a uh, run as well. So, Hector. <laughs> Joe is being very modest. Joe's been really shooting a lot, kind of discovering film photography. And it is discovery, Joe. I mean, when you discover a new camera, when you discover the color pack, too, I mean, wasn't it kind of exciting? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. No, I'm really in love with these. Uh, I was kind of hoping we'd talk about them, but I guess you talked about them before. These these nifty these nifty TLRs we have sitting here. We can talk about them briefly. They were brought in by Desiree Seisha. Seisha. Uh, Desiree, I photographed Desiree twice. She's on my Flickr page, Flickr.com. Michael Rosso film photography, and there's a set of uh, Desiree images in in my Flickr account. She's a model, she is a uh, musician, and she is a actress. When I first met her in March, and I did my first photo shoot, uh, I shot uh, portraits of her. She said, "Oh, hey, you know, I have these old old cameras." And I said, "Well, bring them over." And just the other day, she she stopped by and brought over. She brought over Mamiya C, uh, which is a wonderful looking camera, 120 film camera from Camerapedia.org. It's uh, they say it's a prof- professional level series of twin lens reflex cameras made That's in what Japan. It says, yeah, yeah. The distinction of the C series is that they have uh, interchangeable lenses, Joe. Uh, oh, that's an amazing camera. It is a beautiful. Look at those bellows. Camera. Yeah, it's how, a gorgeous how's camera. How's the image through the? Through oh, it's beautiful. May I see? Be- yeah, of course. Yeah, beautiful. I didn't look at these yesterday. Yeah, the you have to be careful with the top though. Oh, it falls off. It falls. Yeah, it needs to be. It needs to be re- brushed up a little bit, repaired a little. Oh my God! Isn't that gorgeous? And you can you can get so close. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's one hell of a camera. I may have to like uh, do some kind of trade with her. Say, man, you gotta leave these cameras here, and uh, I'll I'll shoot an album cover for your band. There you go. This is an amazing. The the image is amazingly clear. Amazingly clear. It's a great camera. I don't know if any listeners out there have the Mamiya C. It's a C22, and we have not fired the shutter. We don't not. We do not know if the shutter is going to fire. We haven't gotten that far. These just got dropped here yesterday, but. Uh, Really awesome. Take this uh, off my hands. Uh-huh. So we're going to go on a, a uh, photo walk. Okay. And Joe, why don't you join us because there's two cameras here. Okay. Well, who's us? Myself, you, and Desiree. 
Oh, very sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. she expressed expressed interest in uh, doing a photo walk, and she'll bring her roommate Ashley. Oh, okay. Uh, Ashley and Desiree are from the band Monday Night Bear Claw, and uh, we're gonna feature some actually some music on this podcast. Oh, very okay. Very Monday fun. Night Bear Claw, and uh, you can go to myspace.com forward slash Monday Night Bear Claw to uh, listen to some of their music. The second camera that uh, Desiree dropped off it, dropped uh, off was um, Yashika. Yeah, uh, Yashika Matt 124. Yep. Uh, this was a camera, 1970 through 1986. It was the last TLR produced by Yashika. Oh, how about that? Even if this type of camera seemed to be obsolete at the time of its appearance, the 124G was a success. This is from Camerapedia.org, which is an amazing site. It's a good resource, yeah. Yeah. He says the, tw- the 124 and the 124G are largely identical, uh, except for some, you know, some different uh, aesthetic, the way it's built, I guess, the way it looks. It says it's basically a Roloflex copy, which is great. I've been trying to find a Roloflex that is affordable for a long time. Well, what do you have? You have a Rolla Cord, right? I have a Rolla Cord 3, which I love. Okay. And it's 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 basically a junior roll of flex. It's just a cheaper version. Okay. I'm sure they take some sh- shortcuts and whatnot, you know, the roll of cord. Now, these are 120 film cameras. One of those, maybe both of them, I think just the Mamiya can take 120 or 220 film. Oh, really? 120 film is, you've seen it, yeah, it has course, the yeah. paper backed. 220 film, you get 12, usually 12 exposures on 120 film, you get 24 on 220 film. Now, you said the, this Mamiya can, can take either. I, I think so. I'm not, I'm not perfectly sure. I was doing a little research before we started, you know, laying this track down and um i got sidetracked and I, I don't really know i think so they're they're really really cool cameras so. yeah i don't know if you've spoken about them before but yeah I, I love them i love being able you know to i mean the focus you know you can't beat the fo- the focus is so sharp and i like being able to you know to see what i'm focusing right on. well see the thing is joe and i've told that you get spoiled uh for example i mean i shoot with the yashika a I, I shoot with the lower end cameras i shoot with the yashika a i shoot with the uh, uh the roller core three these are very they're very old uh i shoot with the uh, shanghai seagull I shoot with Lubitel uh-huh. 166U. I mean, these are very, you know, lower-end cameras, almost toys to, especially the Lubitel, where you cannot find a focus. Uh, and um, I think once you start playing with a higher-end camera or a Hasselblad, which I do not own, but I'm looking to purchase if I could, you know, stop buying Polaroid film and cameras for maybe a month, maybe I could save my money. I think once you experience a high-end, the Cadillac or the Rolls-Royce mm-hmm. of cameras, you'll see how smooth and how crisp and how clear the viewfinders are. It's probably, you know, quite an experience. But I'm really looking forward to uh, shooting with uh, these cameras, and I'm hoping I could talk Desiree into kind of leaving them at the studio where, you know, there doesn't really even need to be any ownership. They can just kind of be here. Right. And she can come get them whenever she wants. I don't know if she's going to... And at that point, they'll mysteriously vanish. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Sorry, John and Dwayne couldn't be here. Yep. We didn't ask them. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, I'm saying I'm sorry to all the listeners. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Well, you sent us an email, uh, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Please do sign into our Flickr group. If you're on Facebook, uh, type in Film Photography Podcast. Find our uh, page on Facebook. 
we're going to wrap it up because we have such an action-packed month. We're going to wrap it up right now. Joe, I want to thanks thank you for sitting in. Oh, no problem. Just to give you a heads up of what's happening in November, next week, Dwayne and I are at the PDN Photo Expo in New York City. If you're going to be there, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. So next week, our show is going to be a report from the PDN Photo Expo. Following that, the following week, we are going to be weekly in November. Hopefully, it will be our usual roundtable conversation with Dwayne and John Fideli. Also this month, Passion for Instant Photography. I'm going to be at a possible Project USA for an interview with Dr. Florian Caps and Dave Bias. Florian Caps, known as Doc, of course, is the founder of Impossible Project, the driving force behind Impossible Project. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down with these folks and uh, chit-chatting about their passion for instant photography and how everything came to be. Is he really a doctor? He's really a doctor. He is a biologist. Oh, how about that? And, and, he, and he is the founder of the Impossible Project. That's correct. Oh, how about that? According to an online article I read, he was tired of writing reports about spiders' eyes. Okay. You know, and all the other kind of, I guess, creepy stuff that you have to do as a biologist. Right. And he had a passion for instant photography. And when he found out that Polaroid was stop, you know, stopping production of instant film, he, uh, he took over the Polaroid factory in Eskede, the Netherlands, oh. and started the Impossible Project. Oh, how about that? Which I'm looking forward to because, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, impossible project, they make film, yada, yada. But think about the task. Think about resurrecting the old Polaroid machines, organizing a, you know, a factory, a large, large factory in Eskede, Netherlands, rehiring some Polaroid engineers, and from scratch, making a film for old Polaroid cameras. It's a daunting task, I'm sure. And regardless of whether you shoot instant photography or not, you have to give kudos to just the task of exec- you know, of getting this executed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to uh, sitting in with the Impossible guys and talking with them. Then we're going to have our regular roundtable, one episode regular roundtable myself. Dwayne, hopefully John Fideli, and then uh, a special episode, a conversation with April Hutchinson. April is a photographer, artist from London, Ontario. She is a member of our film photography podcast, Flickr group, and and she posts her work in a number of groups that I frequent on Flickr, and most notably, she shoots with old Polaroid cameras. She shoots with uh, a color pack camera, a Polaroid automatic camera, uses pack film, and her style lends itself to shooting in natural light. She does not use flash photography, she does not use a tripod, and uh, from seeing her work and chatting with her, I established that she really has her own unique style, which brought me to London, Ontario to, to... sit down and interview her and also attend a photo shoot with her to see how she worked. So I'm pretty excited about that episode being available to our listeners. It also kind of, this kind of starts a second format for the podcast, which is what I call a conversation with. Okay. You know, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. You know, a conversation with The Impossible Project. A conversation with dot, 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 April Hutchinson. And when will people be able to hear this conversation with dot, dot, dot? Folks will be able to hear a conversation with dot, dot, dot in November. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure you said that. In November, we're going to have every week an episode and uh, enter our contest. Don't forget, send an email, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Check out our show notes. Our show notes are uh, put together by our good friend Rob Nunn. That's Nunn with two N's. RobNunnPhoto.com. Our good friend Greg Dumont, our webmaster. 
Greg, of course, has his site, KillerReviews.com. If you're into genre movies, science fiction, horror, check out KillerReviews.com. Greg has his own podcast, the Killer Reviews Podcast. And, of course, our pals, John Fideli, Dwayne Polkew, who are not here today because, as I mentioned earlier, well, I didn't invite them. (laughs) That's about it. And we're going to go out with a tune from Monday Night Bear Claw. Oh, how about that? Because, of course, Desiree was kind enough, as we talked about earlier, she left her cameras here, mm-hmm. and we're hoping she just forgets about them. I think there's a good possibility that that may have already happened. I know. Yes. We're only kidding. We're not going to keep Desiree's cameras. We're really not. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you soon. A lot going on in November. I hope everyone out there is, a, is as excited as I am. I can promise you there's a lot of stuff coming up in future episodes. It's not all going to be about Polaroid photography. <laughs> but if you've not shot any Polaroid instant photography, feel free to drop me an email. It's fun. It's really, really fun. And you're talking to a guy, me, who never thought that I would shoot, you know, a- ambitiously shoot Polaroid photography. Have you done an episode on night photography? No. That's a great idea. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I was wondering what that light bulb was on over your head. Oh, yes, yeah. The light bulb. Because I'm sure people, you know, people who do have, have some good techniques. Yes. I am a member of the group on Flickr called, it's called uh, Night Trip. It's people who take their Olympus Trip 35 and sh- shoot at night with it. Oh, how about that? Yeah, because it has a 2.8 millimeter lens oh. at a uh, shutter of 140th of a second. So if you have some high-speed film in there, you can get some great shots of neon signs and storefronts. Oh, very nice. So, I have not had a chance to load up a roll of Fuji 1600 ASA film in my uh, Olympus Trip 35, mostly because I'm so focused on shooting Kodachrome till, till the end of the year, because Kodachrome processing is only available through the 30th of December. Are any of your listeners shooting Kodachrome? Yes, they are, as a matter of fact. Really? And yes, they are. I've, I've handed out dozens of rolls of Kodachrome is that we have a Kodachrome group on Flickr. It's called the Film Photography Podcast Kodachrome 2010. I think it's called that. Shoot me an email if you'd like to get involved. By the way, there is still time. I've gotten a few emails, folks, saying, Is there still time to shoot Kodachrome? There is. I do have some film left, so please do shoot me an email. I'll be, I would be happy to send you a roll of Kodak Kodachrome you have to experience. And the folks that have been shooting with it, that I've sent film to, I'm getting emails back, and they've posted images, and they say it. They're like, I can't believe how wonderful this film stock is. So take advantage of this opportunity. As, as long as you could promise me that you will send the film in to Dwayne's Photo in Parsons, Kansas, USA. That's the only place. And that will be a cost. Of course, you're going to have to pay Dwayne's to process it. It's about $10 per roll, approximately. It's about $6 shipping, I believe. It's about $15 overseas shipping. It's well worth the cost. I have the film. Let's do it. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. Oh. I almost forgot about it. And there's so little time to shoot Kodachrome. This is almost like the last call. So, Kodachrome, let's do it together. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next week. I see suspicion as a fuel. Please.
Thank you.